Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff to that as a kicker that provides value for your team. And to me, I think, how do I deal with it? I just go back, watch the film, be very truthful with yourself and, and know that you're going to miss. But why did you miss and not make the same mistake twice? Today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. If you're buying a home, looking to do a refi, just go to roysumbrella.com. No tricks, no gimmicks, no extra cost at the end. Roy'sumbrella.com. He'll take care of you. Trust me. That's roysumbrella.com for all of your home loan needs. My guest today, undrafted kicker out of Penn State, 10 years in Chicago, and when he left Chicago, he was the all-time Bears leader in career points, spent one year with the New York Giants, and just signed a new deal to stay with San Francisco through the 2022 season. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show Robbie Gold. Robbie, it's Grant. How are you, sir? Grant, it's so good to speak with you. Happy to be on the show. I appreciate you having me on as your guest. I was wondering, do you think that you have made more kicks in your entire football career or more people have mispronounced your last name? You know what? As long as they're saying my name, I think hopefully I'm doing something <laughs> good. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that to me, it doesn't matter as long as everyone's doing it for the right reasons and doing something for good. And I think it's pretty unique to be able to have people talk about you or, you know, even be in the conversation of making field goals. You're a freshman at Penn State. If somebody had come up to you then and said, you know what, Robbie, when you're 38, you're going to be kicking still in the National Football League, your reaction would have been what? No chance. I mean, I think like it was one of those pipe dreams to play. I remember my senior year wasn't great. I kind of, I had five, six long snappers, a couple different holders. It's kind of like this revolving door and I didn't have a great senior year. I looked at my dad coming out of one of the games like that. I just don't think the NFL is going to be for me. He's like, fine, no big deal. Just put your resume together, get ready to see, you know, put your, your, your business management degree to good use. And he's like, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, then fine. Who cares? At least you gave it a shot. So, you know, it's been a, it's been an amazing ride. I think I haven't really got a chance to really look back at all of it, but I know that to be able to do this for 16 years and stay in the league this long, having had that type of senior season, there's a lot of coaches, players, that have changed my life and my career uh, and owners and, and general managers for giving me the opportunities. And I mean, it's just been, there's so many people that I'd have to thank to get me to this point that we 
be here probably for another six days <laughs> to try to do this, right? So I think a big part of success isn't just based on, on one person. I think it takes a lot of people to be able to have a long career. Did you really almost say this is not going to work for me after what happened in New England and Baltimore? Did you really say, that's it, you know, I'm going to now go and I'm going to work and figure out my life and then take me through that period of your life? Well, you know, I went to New England. I had Brad Seely who changed my career trajectory. I never, if I didn't go to New England, I'm not quite sure what my career would have looked like. So Brad, when I got in there, obviously they were coming off winning a Super Bowl. Brad, who I have a lot of respect for as a, as a coordinator, changed me from a three-step to a two-step kicker. And I, I bought all in, right? It's like anything else. Like when you're in a system, an offense, a defense, as a player, you know, the more you buy in and you try to figure it out, the more success you're probably going to have. And it was uncomfortable. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I've never tried to kick two steps, right? So it was just something you had to learn, but it made me more accurate. It made me more consistent. And I was competing against one of the best kickers, probably the best kicker to ever play the game, and Adam Vinatieri. So to be able to compete against him and know that, hey, this is something I can do, I can definitely play, it just might take a little bit of time to get that opportunity. And then I'm, I'm the ultimate competitor. Like, uh, you know, I, I was trying to take everyone's job, wherever I went, whatever I did. I wasn't, I was there to be nice and, and learn and be a sponge, but I was also there to be a competitor. And that's what I love about kicking. You know, everything you do is about competing against yourself and competing against the guy on the other sideline and trying to out kick their guy on a weekly basis. So, you know, New England gave me a shot, changed my, changed my entire career. And then I went to Baltimore in the practice squad and got cut. And then I started working construction and the Bears called and supposed to be there for three weeks. I ended up having an 11 year career becoming the all time leading scorer. Stop in New York and now I just finished my fourth year in San Francisco. You talk about a stop in New York. I'm from New York. Uh, my dad uh, attended games back even at the polo grounds. And he told me that the greatest kick that he ever witnessed, he was at Yankee Stadium in December of 1958. And Pat Summerall kicked a 49-yarder through the snow and the wind to get the Giants into the playoffs. The offensive coach was Vince Lombardi, and Vince was against Pat going out and trying that field goal because he had just missed a a 31-yarder a couple minutes earlier. But after Pat Summerall made the kick, Lombardi was reported to say to Summerall as he was coming off the field, you son of a bitch, you can't kick it that far. (laughs) And then I I grew up watching Pete Gogolak, who, of course, was the the first soccer-style kicker. And I'm curious, you were born in the early 80s. Were you someone that went back and studied kickers even before you were born? And when you were growing up, did you have a kicker that you really idolized that you wanted to be like? You know what's interesting is I've only started to do that as a of recently like uh, when I grew up I grew up playing soccer my dad was an all three-time all-american in college so that's what we did we didn't play football until my sophomore year my brother who was younger than me coached for the Broncos now has won a Super Bowl as a coach he he was asked to kick before I even did right so I didn't really football was kind of like this hey I can do three sports four sports five sports this is great right but it isn't until recently like I started by the last five, six years, I always watch film, but every every week I'll watch every single special teams play. Field goal, field goal block, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. And, you know, just see what people are doing situationally. You know, look what other guys are doing. See what kicks we can implement to, to help our team win. And then that goes back the whole way to, you know, you're, you're talking about guys like Adam Benateri, 
Gary Anderson, Morton Anderson, Phil Dawson, John Casey, Sebastian Janikowski. These are guys that I've played against, but also have a lot of respect for because they're some of the greatest players to ever play my position. And you want to pick their brain, like Jason Hansen, who I competed against all the time. I have a lot of respect for. He played for 20-some years in the same city and is one of the top five kickers in the history of the game. But he didn't do that because he just showed up and it just happened, right? So you kind of try to pick the brain, watch their film, see what they're doing, try to figure out what they're doing in the offseason for workouts. And I think for me, I, you know, I respect the game so much that the history of the game means a lot to me, no matter the player or position. When we talked at Lake Tahoe, Robbie, we got into your love of all sports and that you didn't shy away from listening to sports talk radio. Now things are different. You've got three young boys. I don't know if you have as much time to, to, to you know, follow people on radio and et cetera, but are you still like that? Or is that still something that you do not shy away from? Because a lot of athletes, they, they don't want to listen. They hear about it secondhand, but you always said, hey, no, I don't mind listening. To, uh, even after a bad game, after a loss, I would listen to sports talk radio in Chicago. Yeah, I love I love sports talk radio. I still listen to it to this day. And no offense to anybody in the media world, my kids are way tougher on me than anyone in the media <laughs> sports world is. I mean, I played I really it. bad against Arizona, and my wife had to text me and was like, "Hey, like your middle son is going to ask you a question that <laughs> is not meant to be bad, but or hurtful." And the first person to pick up the FaceTime after every game, I was so after every game in Arizona, I walked back from the stadium. To the hotel just to kind of clear my head kind of take it all in and he was like dad why'd you miss every kick today <laughs> i was like buddy you know what daddy didn't try trust me some days <laughs> are just not meant to be yours you know so i think something i love about sports talk radio is that i love that everyone has an opinion i love that everybody can talk about what's going on so you know obviously when you're in a locker room some guys you know listen to that and can dissect you know, what's real and what's not real, right? What's the business of football and what's not the business of football, right? So, you know, for me, I think it's great to be able to be the older player in the locker room and to be able to teach guys what's true and not true, right? What to listen to and what not to listen to, right? So, you know, it's the, the unfortunate part of the business is that, you know, sometimes those opinions aren't true, aren't right. No one's been in those conversations and um, you got to, and now with social media, you know, it's a game changer. You know, it's quick to go to Twitter and be like, yeah, this isn't right. And then send out something that you regret, right? So just trying to teach a younger generation of, of player how to take a deep breath, step back and understand what's right and what's wrong. And also, I think some of these relationships that I've been able to, to have with the, the reporters have been very, very amazing for me in my career. And then there's some that, you know, just, just haven't been the same or hasn't been mutually beneficial and understanding, you know, what we've gone through, whether it be in a holdout or whether it be in the playoffs or a missed kick or something like that. And, and that's okay too. You talked about your family. First time you were in the Super Bowl in Chicago, that's pre-family. But I was just curious based on what you just said, being in the Super Bowl and having your boys be able to be there and watch their dad in the Super Bowl, it doesn't get much better than that. Obviously, if you had won, but you know my point. I mean, how how yeah. how I mean, how unbelievably special is that for you that your boys now are getting older, with the exception of the youngest, that they can say, "Wow, I'm watching my dad play and kick in the National Football League and play in the Super Bowl." 
Well, the problem is they think they go to the Super Bowl every year. So <laughs> not making the right. playoffs this year was kind of a letdown for them, right? So, uh, you know, I, I think one of the – as I've gotten older and, and things that you really worry about and things that you try to focus on is the memories that you're going to leave the game with. And my two older kids now, they'll go kick with me. They'll work out with me. The baby is two years old. He's kicking a ball, punting a ball out of his hand with like ridiculous hand-eye coordination just because they love to watch football, whether it's college, whether it's the NFL. Like, they'll have it on every weekend. And, um, you know, the pandemic is obviously a challenge for a lot of people, right? So I think something for me when my family wasn't there that I really enjoyed was that I would FaceTime my kids from, I usually go about four hours, so I'd FaceTime them from the middle of the field before I go into the locker room just to see how their day was going, what the morning looked like. All right, we're going to get ready to go play. Who are you going to watch today? So them knowing dad plays and them knowing to watch other games and watching playoff games now with them, to me, is pretty special. And they're starting to understand the game, which is fun. So who knows how long it'll last, but the reality is, is that whether it's me playing or when my career is over and step away and we can start going to games as fans, it's going to be a lot of fun for me to be able to share some of those moments with them for really forever. You were talking about working out with your kids and things of that nature. And I'm curious with the advent of technology and new training regiments and things of that nature, have you changed the way you work out? Because what you're doing at your age is remarkable for kicking in the National Football League, and you're still right at the top of your game. As I said, you just signed a new deal. Do you do the same thing every offseason, or have you changed your workout regimen? I think you're always evolving. I think you're evolving with you know how your body feels. You're evolving with you know limitations, trying to make your weaknesses your strengths, trying to capitalize on what your strengths are. I think, you know, every year you look at, you know, what did I do well? What didn't I do well? Where did I have some deficiencies? What do I need to do to to combat that for the following year? So, you know, it's pretty unique because I think anybody at an athlete who trains at a professional level, your body is going to be and look and feel certain ways through the entire calendar year, not just the football season, right? So, like, now I'm back into training, but I'm trying to get a base. Eventually, I'm going to be in really good shape in April to, to, you know, run and lift and all that stuff. But even more so is like you ramp up the kicking. You you know, you're it's supposed to look like this in, in February and March. It's supposed to look like this in April. And you finally get to a point where in July, everything just in August, it just kind of clicks and you go. And then, you know, obviously, at the end of training camp, you're going to look different than you look like week eight of the season and, and so on and so forth. So I think it gets easier because you're smarter. I think it gets easier because you know where you're supposed to be at every portion of a calendar season and year. And I think a lot of the success I've had recently has had a lot to do with understanding that philosophy. Chicago, 11 years, all-time leader and career points with the Bears. You're a huge sports fan. You got the Bulls, the Blackhawks. You got the two baseball teams. You are singing, take me out to the ball game at Wrigley Field. You're throwing out the first pitch. When you look back at that 11 years, being a prominent athlete on the Chicago Bears in a sports crazy town, does it get any better than that? It doesn't. I mean, I love the city. I mean, this is home. This is where I uh, started my career. You know, it's a place where... um, 
until the, until literally to this day, like I'll listen to sports talk radio. I'm not even on the Chicago bears, but you know, I follow them pretty closely and, and you know, you hear of the things that are being said, you, you know, you listen to what's going on with the players and, you know, I still have relationships with those guys, just like I do with a bunch of players on a lot of teams across the league. And, um, you're a fan of theirs and, you know, you're a teammate of theirs. So, you know, obviously things that don't go well, you, you, you want to make sure that you pick them up just like they would for me. Right. So this is one of the greatest sports cities I've ever lived in. You know, obviously we had a pretty good run here for 11 years. I think, you know, I was able to step away for a little bit in the game when I got cut from here and kind of recenter myself as, as a kicker is, Hey, who am I at this age and what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish and how am I going to get there? And, you know, I was really fortunate to go to play for a couple of different teams like New York and, and San Francisco to be able to see different things across the league. I think every ownership group, I think every team has, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses. And I think it allows you to understand how to grow as an athlete as you go. And, you know, I, I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity to play in all those places, um, New England, Baltimore, Chicago, New York, and obviously San Francisco. And I think the fans in San Francisco are really lucky because they have a great ownership group. I think they are at the forefront of the community and giving back. They're also at the forefront of, you know, being able to provide everything they need from a resource perspective to their players to be competitive. Because nowadays, listen, like at the end of the day, like everyone has the same padded practices. Everyone has the same number of practices. They have the same, you know, two-a-day schedule. Like in the, in the back in the day, there was none of those working in condition and conversations that existed so you had to try to find your your competitive advantage and a lot of teams are doing that based on the resources that are going into their athletes now some of that's going to go into the salary cap but some of that's just coming straight out of an owner's pocket and the york family is by far one of the most first class organizations that i've seen and heard and been a part of um, throughout my career in 16 years and you know, I've been lucky enough to play for some really good, great organizations and historical places and families. And, um, you know, the, the San Francisco fans are in great hands for years to come, for sure. Boy, that is uh, very, very assuring for those uh, 49er faithful. So it's hard to believe that, you know, last year at this time, you're getting ready for the uh, NFC championship game. And then you were on your way to the Super Bowl. The team just decimated by injuries this year. Um, that's life in the NFL, isn't it, man? That's why it's so, you know, when you get, to, I remember Dan Marino going to the Super Bowl his first year against San Francisco, and then he never made it back. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, won Super Bowl. If he wins this weekend, obviously he's getting back. But you know, you you were fortunate enough to be in two, and you think, that, okay, coming into this year, Robbie, the 49ers looked as talented as any team in the NFL, and then it was just like, man, they started falling like dominoes. Yeah, I think there's some of that's a little bit of luck. I think some of that's just, part of what had happened and transpired in the off season with COVID. Right. I think, um, again, I think every year and every week is kind of a, a different outlook on, you know, how you're going to approach the season or what you're going to do. Right. So I think a lot of guys knew coming into this that, uh, there, and I had been through this, the player up, I think it was 2011 when we went through the CBA, we were all out of the, programs off-season programs for the until training camp essentially because we we're collectively bargaining agreement and then i think if you look at this year it's kind of the same thing just in a different capacity right so we all knew that injuries are going to be at an all-time high we knew that they're going to have to become part of the puzzle so the guys that you know 
you'd create depth with in your salary cap. And the guys that you're going to make decisions with who you're going to keep on your team, those are going to be guys that are going to be just as important as your, as your core players, right? And that proved to be very true for us this year. And then we lost a lot of guys to season-ending injuries. I think we had a record number of people go on IR, whether it be short-term or long-term IR. And a lot of key contributors, you know. And the nice part is, is I always look at, okay, well, what does that mean, right? Those guys, they were in shape. It's just football's a very grueling sport. So, yeah, we lost them for a year. I don't think this was a season that was lost. I think we were really competitive in a lot of situations. But I also think it gave us an opportunity to see those players that might not have got as much playing time on offense and defense and that would have played predominantly on special teams. It gave us a chance to really see them in a starting role. It gave us an opportunity to see, you know, when you have 40-some guys up on, on your roster for free agency, who you're going to keep, who's valuable, and, and that kind of changes the puzzle. And it's going to be very difficult, obviously, to keep all those guys. But I think the silver lining in this year for us was that we got, you know, we didn't have the best record, but we got to see a lot of people play, and we were still in the playoff hunt up until the last few weeks of the season, which is a testament to our coaching staff. And you're seeing a lot of those guys go get head jobs or they're going to get offensive and defensive coordinator jobs. You know, I think we have the right pieces of the puzzle to, to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, we were there last year. I think it's just a matter of us staying healthy and, and continuing that depth through the draft and finding some valuable players for us that make sense by retaining our own in free agency or finding others that will come in and fit in our culture and in our team and our schemes. And, you know, I think we'll have another chance to, to run it back at least for another year or two. Robbie, success or failure in an NFL game very often comes down to a kicker's foot. How do you deal with failure when you miss that game-winning kick and you, you don't have a game the next day? you got to wait seven days, unless, of course, it was the last game of the year. How do you personally deal when it doesn't go your way, when you do miss that kick at the end of a game? How difficult is that week leading up to the next Sunday? Well, I hate missing, that's for sure. I mean, that's part of the game, but it's something that I've prided myself on. Is You know, if you look at guys who have over 400 career field goals or play in the league as long as I have, you know, my field goal percentage is in the 86, high 86, low 87%. And to me, a lot of that has to do with the competitive edge to me, right? I want to be 100% through a season. Now, is that realistic? There's a lot of factors that go into that, right? But the reality is, is that you're only as good as your next kick. Your streak only starts with the next kick. So when you miss, you know, the tough part for me this season was I had a really good, I had a really good season. You know, there was a lot of change. There were some things that happened. Tabor Pepper came in and, and did a really nice job of filling in for Kyle Nelson when he got there. We made 113 straight kicks in practice we did uh, had a great streak going until I missed the 50 yarder in LA and then I had the unfortunate game in Arizona you know I mean if you look at the Arizona game I have a chance to leave this season kicking over 90 percent again instead I'm kicking 84 percent so like you know the margin of error is slim you know if you look at my career since I've been in San Francisco I've had 16 like game tying or winning or potential two score games and I've up until Arizona, I was 15 for 15 in those, right? So, like, what I love to do is I love to be the guy who makes a difference, you know, whether it's the 54-yarder to start the second quarter of the NFC Championship game to go 10-0. I mean, that's a big play for us, right? And it kept the momentum. It gave us an opportunity to, to keep the lead and extend the lead. And, 
you know, I think there's a lot of stuff to that as a kicker that provides value for your team. And to me, I think, how do I deal with it? I just go back, watch the film, be very truthful to yourself and, and know that you're going to miss. But why did you miss and not make the same mistake twice? In the mid-80s, 84 to 87, I was working in Decatur, Illinois, and I actually covered the 85 Bears and very often was on the sidelines at Soldier Field, particularly in November, December, and even in the playoff games in January. So I, I, get, a, I, I get the conditions. For you as a kicker in that city, in that stadium, how long did it truly take for you to learn how to kick in the wind at Soldier Field? Is that an well, art? I think it's- I think it took me about five or six weeks to get really settled in in Chicago. And then once I got the, I would say understanding the winds and how they blow and what happened, it's all constant. It usually stays the same. They don't swirl like they do in Levi or old candlestick. Right. So a lot of the stuff that, you know, you could do, you could have a game plan and the game plan could stay the same the entire game. Now there's a few kicks in my career that didn't, Stay the same, but for the majority of the time with game plan from pre game, it never changed. There's times in Levi Stadiums you come out after, you know, kicking in pre game and the wind's totally different. The wind's totally different in the second quarter as it was the first quarter. You know what I mean? So like, you know, the challenge the challenging thing for me in those con- conditions and those opportunities is that you don't make excuses for yourself, right? Because no one else is gonna have an excuse for you. This is where you play, this is what you do. And you got to find a way, whether it's watching the other kicker, whether it's judging the wind, whether it's, you know, making decisions on your game plan based on being confident and, and knowing how to aim, where to aim. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, just being confident in where you're at and who you're kicking with. I'm amazed when you watch football, all the pressure is always on the kicker, but no one ever thinks about the pressure on the snapper and the holder. And obviously without those things going well, you're not going to make the kick. The uh, the the amount of practice that goes in with the uh, snapper, the holder, and the kicker is amazing. I want to talk about the holder. I don't think fans really understand truly how important that is to a kicker. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think you know that specifically is huge for what we do, right? I mean, whether they are – an inch off is going to be, you know, three feet to three yards, right? It's just based on the conditions. I think, you know, a lot of what we do um, has to do with continuity and you spend the most time together. But people think people think you just show up and it just happens. You know, we're going over every situation possible so that when we do go through it, it's not the first time on Sunday. If you're playing at, you know, Lambeau or you're playing in Chicago and the weather's zero degrees and the ball gets hard, is that worse than wind? I mean, if you had your, what's the worst element for a kicker? Is it the wind? I mean, I think wind's a big part of it. You saw that with Baltimore and Buffalo the other night. I think, you know, ground conditions can play a part in it. You know, the nice part in the ground conditions side is if if the field's soaked, it's wet, it's soft, Everyone on the field is going to be slow, right? So you don't have to worry about being fast on your get-off time because everyone else is just as slow. I think if you look at like playing in a place like New York where there's turf, they'll be slower, yes, but you're going to have the ability to go just as fast because your footing is going to be fine, right? So I think there's a lot of you know situations that play into you know what's worse. I think it's, I mean, listen, Arizona's field at the end of the season, I you know I feel really bad for those guys because, you know, the, the grounds crew probably had one of the hardest, most difficult jobs at the end of the NFL season with the NFL game 
every weekend, one weekend ahead too, and they had the Fiesta Bowl on it, right? So, you know, that field got chewed up pretty quick, and then they restarted, and they did a great job. But, I mean, you would think an indoor stadium would have a perfect carpet to play on, right? But that's just not how it works with the reality of, you know, the owners are making money on, and, and some of the cities are invested in the stadiums, and, you know, there's a lot of things that unfortunately go into making those conditions a little bit tougher. But, you know, they always say, you know, you're getting paid to make the difficult look easy. And that's why you practice. And that's why you put, you know, the 15 hours in a day to keep your body ready and right to have none of that matter at the end of the day. Last thing for you, life after football. Have you thought about it? Would it be broadcasting? Would it be coaching? Or would it just be, uh, you know, being with the boys and being a dad? What's going to be next for you when it's all said well, and done? You know, one of my... I, I love the business of football. I, you know, it's something that I truly enjoy. I enjoy, you know, learning why, you know, you spend money in certain places. What's the salary cap? What players are coming and going? You know, I, I love the business side, but I also love like the, the trying to teach young kids what it, it, it is to be a pro. Right. So if I could find a consulting job with a team on hey listen i played this long i played for this amount of organizations i've seen a lot of it from the inside i know what it's like monday to sunday to get ready i know what it's like in the off season and help somebody create a competitive advantage because of knowing those things i think that would be something i would do for sure i would definitely consider doing broadcasting i love you know talking to people and doing feature pieces did that this off season with the kicking it with robbie series I have a company that we started called Eventlify. We are a event management software company. So whether it's golf events, whether it's gala events, single ticket events, donation campaigns, we, you know, we started this company and that's going really well. So I can obviously exit into that. Just it's really nice. And then at some point, like I got to be a dad. I want to be a dad. I want to coach my kids sports. I want to teach them, you know, what it means to be like my middle son is like my most competitive kid. Like my oldest son is, is the sweetest kid I know. And my youngest son has a little bit of all of that. Right. But my middle son has to win all the time. And I got to teach him how to be like a, a, a good sport because he's so competitive. So I think, you know, being able to be at home and be around them and give them something that they haven't had a dad around full time. is going to be something I'm definitely going to do for sure. But, you know, right now, I think for me, when football ends, I'll kind of know, but I think also, I think the biggest thing I'm trying to do right now is cherish every moment because I think I know the end is near in the next five years or so, but at the end of the day, like I want to make sure I take it all in. And the last thing I need to do, I need to do, and I don't know if I'll get the chance and I hope I do. And this is why you work hard to do it. But the last thing I want on my resume is a Super Bowl ring. Sure. I played it too. I've lost both. Last year's obviously stings. We, you know, we had the 10-point lead. Going into the later moments of the fourth quarter, you know, I just brought my NFC Championship ring home with my, with my kids to see. And I have one from Chicago and obviously last year's. And I would trade both of those rings in for just one Super Bowl win. And, you know, you talked about Dan Marino never getting back there and never having the chance to do it, never won one. That will be, if I don't, my biggest regret of my playing career. Well, I, I'll tell you, you're a class act. Uh, I really have enjoyed talking to you uh, in the summers up in Lake Tahoe. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Uh, and again, I wish you nothing but the very best, Robbie. I appreciate it. It was great talking with you. And any, anything, anytime, any place, just let me know. I'd love to help you out.
What a class act Robbie is. I really enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Now time to get to some questions via crowd question. If you want to get in on the podcast, just go to crowdquestion.com, sign up. It only takes about a minute. Some really good questions. Derek wants to know if you followed Delante West's story at all. I have, you know, Mark Cuban really, uh, I think probably you're going to look back at this and go, he saved Delante's life. Delante and uh, his substance abuse problem and everything that he's been going through. Uh, great job by Mark Cuban. It is really quite a story. There's no doubt about it. Brad wants to know anyone in sports media you never agree with. For me, it's Colin Coward and Jamel Hill. I wouldn't say, like, you used the word never. So you never agree with anything that Colin Coward or Jamel Hill says? I, I don't know if there's a national sports figure that I never agree with. But there are some that I rarely agree with. And like Chris Broussard uh, comes to mind. I, I just don't think that he, he really gets it. Uh, many, many times I disagree with what he has to say. I don't think he's in tune with what's going on, particularly uh, in the NBA. So yeah, there are some, but never, no, I wouldn't go that far. Taylor wants to know, with Philip Rivers retiring, will he make the Hall of Fame? I think he will. You know, he's only 5-7 and seven in the playoffs. Obviously, never got past uh, the AFC title game. Played there once, that game in New England when he had the ACL. You know, he's got the statistics to back it up. I think he will make the Hall of Fame. Curtis wants to know, who's your Super Bowl winner uh, as of right now? I think whoever wins the AFC game on Sunday between Buffalo and Kansas City. Obviously, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, then I still think Kansas City uh, is going to be the most difficult team. I don't think they're invincible by any stretch. I mean, I think they are beatable. But if they are not able to beat Buffalo, uh, I like Buffalo, man. I, I really do. I like what they're doing. Maybe a year away still, but I do like what they're doing. Tim says, do you expect Urban Meyer to win or make the playoffs with the Jags? Not this year, but yeah, of course I expect him to make the playoffs with the Jags. But it won't be this year, in my opinion. I mean, you know, if they take Trevor Lawrence, it's going to take a couple years to build him up. It'll be very interesting, very interesting to watch Urban Meyer uh, in the National Football League. Kevin wants to know, is Andy Reid dumb to let Mahomes run options? I don't think he's dumb. I mean, they did win a Super Bowl last year. Uh, you have to have enough faith and confidence that Mahomes is going to go down instead of taking the big hit. But I've always said quarterbacks that run get hurt in the National Football League. At some point in time, they are going to get hurt. That's just the reality of the National Football League. If you're going to go with a run-pass option and you're going to have your quarterback keep the ball, eventually they are going to get hurt. So, yeah, it is a dicey proposition, Kevin. There's no doubt about it. But you can't argue with the success and the Super Bowl win last year. And, again, they're 60 minutes away from getting back to the Super Bowl again. Ben wants to know, are you ever going to have a video version of the podcast? Ever means forever kind of like all lives matter every single one, right? You say ever. So I hope so. Um, you know, logistically right now, it's just not feasible uh, for me, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. I hope so. And that's just something that maybe we can grow uh, the podcast to. I mean, I, I do get that question a lot. And just so you know, I have been thinking about it. I'm figuring out a way uh, that perhaps uh, I can do that. Tucker wants to know, do you think we'll see less politics in sports now that Trump is out of office? No, I think politics, unfortunately, in sports 
is here to stay. And I think that's why the ratings are down across the board uh, in sports. I just think there are a number of fans that have said, I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want politics. I don't want that uh, in sports. So we'll see. But uh, no, I don't think that it matters who the president is. I think you're still going to see a degree uh, of politics in sports. Andre wants to know, do you find the NBA considering televising player vaccinations to raise awareness in the black community insulting to the black community? I'm not in the black community, so I can't answer that question. You would have to ask uh, a a person of color. You would have to ask, you know, a, a, a black individual that question. There's no way in the world that I would be able to answer that adequately. I'm not even aware that they were thinking about televising player vaccination. So if that is the case, I've missed that. But again, I'm not, there's just no way I could possibly uh, answer that question. All right, Aaron wants to know, do you see for Seattle or foresee Seattle getting an NBA team this decade? I don't think there's any question about it. The rumor mill's already churning up. They've got the arena. Hockey's going to begin next year. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I think they'll have an NBA team. What is it, 2021 right now? I'm going to say they're going to have an NBA team before 2025. Dalton wants to know, will you watch the uh, McGregor fight? I won't watch anything that Conor McGregor does. Uh, I I think the guy's an out-of-control fool. I wouldn't spend a penny to watch him do anything uh, at all. Not not an absolute penny. Again, if you want to ask me a question, just go to crowdquestion.com. That's crowdquestion.com. It only takes a minute to sign up. It's time for Rant. Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Lake detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. And their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X Plumbing. Hey, when the NCAA tournament rolls around this March in Indianapolis, don't expect to see the Kentucky Wildcats there. That's right. And again, they're due for a bad year. Anyone can have a bad year. But here's the point that I want to make about Kentucky basketball. And I've been saying this for a number of years. How is it that John Calipari has the best players year in, year out, playing for the Kentucky Wildcats? John Calipari arrived on the scene in 2009. They have won one national championship since 2009, and it was in 2012. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say John Calipari is overrated, but I think he's overrated. I think he's overrated. And I don't want to hear the fact that he's had four Final Four appearances since he's been at Kentucky. Uh Uh-uh, that doesn't cut it. I mean, turn on any NBA game and look at all of the players from Kentucky that play in the NBA. I mean, you don't hear that in Alabama. You know, you, you you don't hear the Crimson Tide fans say that when they lost to Clemson in national championship game a couple of seasons ago in Santa Clara, oh, that was a successful season because Alabama made it to the championship game. Uh Uh-uh, that's not a successful season in Alabama. I mean, the fact that John Calipari has only one national championship, and that was the 2012 season with Anthony Davis. That's overrated. I'm sorry. I mean, you got to have more than that. It's 2021 now. And again, I'm not going to jump on them this year too badly for having a poor season, although they are a major, major disappointment. It happens. 
But I'm so tired of hearing about Kentucky basketball this, Kentucky basketball that. You know what? Go out and win some more championships. Don't win one championship the entire century. That's right. One championship this century. And tell me how great Kentucky basketball is. Again, if you're a football program like Alabama, even if you do what what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson, especially Alabama, though, brag all you want, talk all you want, show all the trophies. You know, at Alabama, their trophies have trophies. You know, at Kentucky, I'm sorry. That's just not right. One national championship this century? Stop it already. I'm so tired of hearing about Kentucky basketball. Yeah, they have really good players. Yes, their players very often go play in the NBA. But so what? What do they do while they're in school? Obviously not a lot. And that's my rant for today. Hey, once again, I really appreciate Robbie Gold for coming on. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, do me a favor, please. Leave a comment. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you can just take a, a couple of seconds and leave me a comment. And don't forget to check out my video rants over on YouTube. The channel is, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Hey, stay safe. Have a great weekend, everybody. And thank you so much for listening. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier.